Welcome to the Sayreville Podcast. My name is Pat Nemers, and I'm here with Jason Jackson. Uh, we're two of the elders here at Sayreville Church, and we have been in the midst of our new series that will go all the way until the summer on the life of Christ. Uh, are you pretty excited about this series, Jason? Yeah, I love it. I love it. started right before Christmas, you know, looking at prophecy before Jesus came as a man, and uh, all the way through his, his resurrection, ascension, all the rest of the deal. It's exciting. Yeah, and you know, that it was really, this was uh, one of your idea, and someone else came, you guys came to me on this. I have done many Christmas series, and then it kind of ends. Sure. The idea of just extending this through the life of Christ and even going beyond his resurrection and to his ascension and as our intercessor, that's just, I'm telling you, I'm just absolutely giddy about going through this series. Yeah, I can't remember a time when I was in a church that preached all the way through, you know, the major highlights of the life of Christ. And here at Sailorville, we say we want to make more people more like Jesus. And as Christians, and specifically people at Sailorville, how can we be more like Jesus if we don't know what Jesus did, how he reacted, how he interacted, some of his motivations, and, you know, we can't be more like somebody that we don't know. Yeah, great point. And while we're taking more of a a 10,000-foot view of it, we can't, you know, we uh, we guesstimated you'd have to preach about 220 messages or something to get every aspect of his life. We're not going to have that many, Mm -hmm. but we are having our people read through their New Testaments, and so that they themselves can dig a little deeper as well, aren't we? Yeah, trying to help people follow along with the messages on Sunday morning, actually reading leading up to the messages for the most part. So... Uh, it's not the whole New Testament, but it's primarily the Gospels and then some correlating passages, even in the Old Testament, that come through in, in some of the stories in the New Testament. It's been really fun. I, you know, People that are doing it, I think, have really connected with uh, preparing for the message on Sunday morning, picking up things that maybe they hadn't before. I was particularly excited about the passage you preached on Sunday, and that is that you preached it. Uh, you know, our listeners may know, and if they don't know, we are an elder-led church with mm-hmm. six elders, uh, uh, you know, four of us, or actually three of us actually preach on a somewhat regular basis. I, I preach the majority of the messages, but you enter in, Pastor Kurt enters in, and uh, of course, John Nemmer's yeah. not an elder, but right. uh, hopefully a church planter here one of these yeah. days, uh, Pastor does so as well. Uh, but I was excited about this one because we were in Matthew 4, and uh, which is also found in Luke 4, the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. And you took on the subject with the message titled, How to Triumph Over Temptation, using, of course, the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, yeah. um, so we're not going to reread the text, hoping our listeners, if you haven't, you need to read those first, uh, what is it, 11 or 12 verses yeah. in Matthew 4. Uh, 4. And, uh, but I do want to look at the out, you had a simple, very simple outline. You said, walk in the spirit, cling to the word. And then you kind of add a little third one, uh, remove all the noise. And hopefully we can get to that a little bit. And, uh, but let's just quickly review those temptations. What were the, what were the temptations? What were the ways in which Satan approached Jesus? Yeah, so there's there's three really strong temptations. Satan comes right to Jesus, and the first one is he says he says uh, turn these stones into bread, right? And Jesus is right in the middle of the wilderness. There's stones, there's cliffs, there's valleys, there's dust, there's dirt, and he's been forty days on a fast. He's hungry. Scripture says, and so Satan says, put your physical needs, bef- your physical wants before your spiritual needs. And uh, God had him there for a reason. Jesus says, I I could do that but I'm not going to do that unless mm-hmm. I hear that from God, because God's got me here for a reason. So turn these uh, stones into bread. The second one is Satan takes him to the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem, and he says, 
hey, if you're really God's son, jump off the top of this temple, and the Old Testament says that God will send his angels, and he's going to protect you like he protects his people, and you're not even going to hit your foot on a stone when you get to the bottom, mm. you know, you can't fly, but angels will take care of you, and you'll you'll land softly, and and Jesus says, I'm, I'm not going to put God to the test. Scripture says that I'm not going to do that. And then the third temptation is when the, the devil says, worship me. I'll give you everything that you see here. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the, of, of the earth. Um, and uh, the, the text there, you know, originally is just worship me w- just once. I mean, just for a split second, Jesus, if you would, if you would just bow down and worship me. Mm. And Jesus says, I'm not going to worship anybody or serve anybody but, but God. I'm not here for myself or for anybody else to worship them. I'm here to, I'm here to worship the Lord, my Father. So we could call this his three-pronged fork that he sure. uses against us. Sure. Uh, but, uh, and I want to talk a little bit about those things. But, you know, the word temptation is an interesting word in the, uh, in the New Testament. It's kind of a, it's a neutral word, and it's only the context that lets us know whether this is a, a bad thing or just a, a test or a trial. Yeah. So yeah. How, how, how does one determine uh, if they're in a wilderness, mm-hmm. you know, metaphorically speaking, mm-hmm. But it's not a metaphor to those who are in a wilderness. I mean, their struggle. How do I know if, if what I'm going through is from God as a test? Yeah. Or from Satan as a temptation? What, how would you answer yeah. that question? I, I've asked that question, you know, because there's something in my, like in my psyche and maybe in other people that may have asked similar questions. If it's from God, I react in one way. If it's from Satan, I react in a different way. And I have got to know who's. Who's causing this? Who's allowing this? You know, who is this from? And the truth is, God allows everything or causes everything in our lives. Um, he did that with Job. He did that with Peter. He does that with everybody in Scripture. And and we know he does that with us, too. He's sovereign. But would you agree that it's—you just said, if it's—you it, know, I react one way if it's from God. I react another way if it's from Satan. But would you agree that it's not always easy to discern whether this is this struggle is from God or from Satan? Or do you think it's clearer than that? I don't— I don't know that we need to discern that in a sense. I know that's a strong statement. I maybe react differently is is the wrong way to say it. I I feel like I need to um I'd like to emotionally process these <laughs> this wilderness differently if I think it's from God or if it's directly from Satan. But the truth is, it's all allowed by God no matter right. what. And my response, I guess is the right way to say it, should be the same whether it's a temptation that Satan sees it as a temptation, or God sees it as trying to purify me as gold and, and testing me and trying me, my response should still be, you know, comes right out of the text there, walk with the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and then really prioritize, cling to the Word of God. So whether it's a temptation from Satan, I walk with the Spirit, cling to the Word of God, that's how I handle it. If it's a test from the Lord, I walk with the Spirit, cling to the Word of God, it's going to be the same response no matter what. Well, the way you made, you kind of gave operational definitions for for uh, these temptations. I, I liked that. You, with, for instance, the, um, uh, the, you know, the stones being turned to bread, that, that temptation. You said putting your physical needs ahead of your spiritual needs. Now, I would think that if a person's um, tuning into the things of God, walking with the Lord, you know whether or not this is, you're just placating a, yeah. a physical need versus honoring the, the Lord. I think, I, I think sometimes we make it harder than we think. You, you just got to ask yourself some hard questions. What's, what's the purpose of this? 
what's my motivation behind this? Yeah, and that's a great question. What's my motivation? Because ultimately that goes to our heart, right? Mm-hmm. And and our heart is the is the connection between us and the Lord. And so I want to know, I need to ask the question, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Why am I meeting this, what I think is a physical need, probably more like a physical want, right? And Scripture says, in fact, Jesus says it a couple chapters later, if you seek first the kingdom of God, he'll provide you with all the things that you need. All these things that you think you need, you may not get them if you follow your own desires, but God's going to give you all the things that you actually need. So when we put our spiritual needs above our physical desires, wants, I think it puts the priority in the right place. We can idolize our, yeah. even like our physical need, you know, food, uh, working out, uh, the way we look, you know, things like that. That, Those are needs, probably, ultimately, but they're not as nearly as important as uh, our, our spiritual needs. Now, Jason, the second one, this, is, this was sort of the showstopper moment for you. The second was, was the temptation to jump off the temple and yeah. the operational, def, you know, not definition, but uh, understanding of that temptation is when we are tempted to put God to the test. Mm-hmm. You had some really good illustrations for you you pretty much took out the bazooka and took all of us out on that sorry about that uh, i mean we all got hit by it and i have an i have uh on i have on uh, good authority the exact wording of your oh, message boy. here and uh, here's what you said but how many of you have blamed god for not rescuing you from a stupid decision you've made at one point or another you didn't study at all for the exam and you failed come on god i even prayed you know uh right before the test which everybody laughed at another one oh, i've you, done that yeah help me to remember the things i didn't study you know you're you're asking god to do something that he almost can't do you know remember the things i didn't even study before this. it made me think of when i was uh, as a young pastor i was in this small church and it was a prayer meeting and we had two high school girls and we were just taking up prayer requests yeah. and the high school girls pray for our big algebra test we have tomorrow okay we'll do that and i just looked and i said did you study for it? They looked They looked at me, and they looked at me, and they go, no. <laughs> I didn't even know what to say at that point. That's putting God to the test, right? I'm not going to read through all these, but I got to read through the one I underlined. This one, this one, actually, one of the elders on staff suggested we titled the whole uh, thing. <laughs> yeah, this whole podcast? Yeah. yeah so he yeah. says, uh, or you said, or, or you don't exercise or watch what you eat, and you say, Jesus will take care of me. <laughs> yes, but your doctor said, <laughs> you know, and I know what my doctor said, but I, I can do all things through Christ, you know. Uh, then you said, you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to die. Don't blame it on God. Get a treadmill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pushing it, I know. But, I, you know, we do that, don't we? We we make these crazy decisions, and, and we get into situations, and then we say, oh, but God will take care of me. Mm-hmm. You know, well, how did you get there in the first place? You didn't get there by trusting in God. You got there by putting your own physical need, uh, wants above your spiritual needs. Or you, you got there by uh, doing something you shouldn't have been doing in the first place, and then, then you want God to bail you out, which you can, of course, mm-hmm. but that's, that's making us God, not allowing Him to be God. Now, the last temptation uh, is really powerful. That's where Satan, yeah. you, know, shows, uh, you know, shows Jesus the kingdoms of the world, and he says, I'll, I'll give you this if you'll, if you'll worship me, and, uh, which is interesting because I think of John who said the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one, so yeah. there's power there, and there yeah. is some level of authority. That's right. Uh, Jesus didn't didn't uh, argue with right. the authority he had in that moment. But um, you, again, you applied that to uh, shortcutting your suffering. 
That's a pretty strong statement, shortcutting your suffering. Now, Jesus, of course, wasn't going to do that. Uh, and, but his response was interesting. He said, he, he quotes scripture, and he says, you shall worship the Lord mm -hmm. and serve him only. And you pointed out in your message that Satan never asked Jesus to serve him. He just asked him to worship him. And what was your response to that? Yeah, we, we talked about that a couple of days earlier, actually, and we, we went back and forth on that. I, I, I hadn't necessarily picked up on that, but Jesus add, Jesus quotes it correctly. You know, Satan kind of misquotes mm -hmm. Scripture or leave, leaves an important part out. And, and the truth is worship and service always go together. What, what we worship, it follows that we serve that same thing or same person or that same idea. And I think we all, you know, from a positive side of things, I, th I think we can learn from that. And from a negative side of things, we, we can learn from that as well. Mm -hmm. the, the thing that we prioritize, the one that we prioritize, we will end up serving, whether we intentionally do it or not. And so we got to be really careful with how we, how we prioritize, you know, money, for instance, or how we prioritize schedule or how we prioritize good things like kids or like, you know, having a a home that's safe and warm or, or whatever. But as soon as we prioritize those things above our spiritual needs, we end up serving those things, mm -hmm. and we, we, we end up in a bad place. And then we may blame God for that, too. So Jesus' suffering, of course, was sure. our salvation. How, how, uh, how does our suffering benefit us? If we're, if we're not going to short, shortcut it, yeah. if we're going to go through it, we're going to trust the Lord, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, yeah. as Job said. Um, how do we do that? How do we, how do we persevere through suffering and not give in to temptation? Yeah, really good question. And probably there's a whole bunch of people that are watching or listening to this that are going through some kind of, some level of suffering. I mean, either the, the major, major emotional, physical, financial, whatever kind of suffering, or you know, they're, they're maybe just not feeling good, or maybe they've got big bills coming up, or maybe their kids are kind of walking away, or whatever. They're, everybody's going through some kind of suffering. I think God allows that in our lives for several reasons. One, um, to make us more like His Son. Mm -hmm. I, I think that is a primary reason in almost everything that God allows, maybe everything that God allows in our lives. He wants to get the glory for us becoming more like His Son, Jesus. Jesus suffered, so therefore we should expect to suffer as well. And then I think there's a part of suffering that um, pretty clearly is not for our own good necessarily, but for the good of others. Mm -hmm. So that when other people go through suffering that may be similar to what we go through or have gone through, that we can comfort them. Paul says that. Yep. In fact, that's what Jesus did, right? He's the great high priest that's not unable to sympathize with us because in all ways, like we have been, he's been tempted and has gone through, has grown, to, has has gone through the other side without sin. Yeah. So his suffering, in a sense, was to show us it can be done also. Yeah. So that we can we can be examples. Yeah. As we righteously endure suffering, one of the first verses I ever memorized as a new Christian, uh, one of the sufferings that I had originally was rejection. Yeah. Uh, from my, I have a large family and one by one, they rejected me and one by one, my friends started to reject me. That was very, very hard. It was, it was as hard to lose my friends as it was my family. I was in my early twenties and my friends were very important to me and, uh, they didn't reject me in a mean way. They just reject me. They, they rejected me. They cut me off. Uh, they didn't call me. I didn't get, I didn't go out. I didn't get to hang out with them. 
And I remember feeling very low about that. And I remember coming across Philippians 1.29, which says, uh, uh, it's been given unto you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, yeah. but to suffer for his sake. Yeah. I remember reading that and taking heart to that, and it helped me get through those things. We have high schoolers, as you know. Uh, these are stressful days for Christian sure. high school kids. Uh, the media and many, many public schools, I don't want to broad brush the whole thing, but they don't teach biblical Christianity. They don't teach a biblical worldview. Christian kids are sticking out more than ever, don't you think? Yeah, I, I do. I Man, it's it's really tough, I can imagine, to grow up in this world as a high schooler, as a middle schooler, even as a kid. I mean, the, the, the tests and temptations that are facing these kids are just unbelievable. However, the answer is still the same as it's always been. And, you know, it, it's in this text, it's all throughout Scripture. It, it's, it's live the kind of life that God is pleased with, be, walk, be walking with the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, and, yeah, prioritize God's Word and make that the foundation of the decisions that you make. Yeah, so parents should be teaching their kids, uh, regardless of whether they're in a public venue. Everybody's going to be in a public venue eventually, right? Sure. Uh, So how to prepare for the wilderness. You talk about walking in the Spirit. You talk about clinging to the Word. Now, uh, walking in the Spirit, Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. That was the direct uh, expositional aspect of it. Driven, Mark says, which is unbelievable. You know, we don't don't like to think about that. It's... Could it be that actually God is is driving us? I mean, is almost forcing us into the wilderness experiences that we're in right now. I mean, yeah. think about the shift in perspective that is. God, who loves us, is allowing or even causing us, driving us into the wilderness. Um, man, there's some really good stuff there. There yeah, has really to be good. because he loves us. Really good. And And just because you're being led by the Spirit doesn't mean everything's going to come up rainbows and unicorns. It means it's not. It re- I Just mean, the this, opposite. This is Jesus, right? And look through look through all of Scripture. You see. So, the, what about the will of God being the safest place you can be? <laughs> well, this doesn't mean this doesn't mean you're unsafe necessarily from God's perspective. If you're if you're in God's will, you are in the safest place. But that doesn't mean physically safe necessarily. Right. So the safest it, the safest place is just the right place to be. Yeah. We used to it might tell mean t- you have to die for your faith. <laughs> oh yeah. How do you explain uh, yeah. all the martyrs? We used to tell kids on missions trips and stuff. We had kids or parents that would say. Now, can you guarantee that my kid's going to be safe in inner-city Philadelphia or you know, uh, New no. York City? <laughs> and we used to say, no, there's not, there's not any chance. In fact, we used to have this joke. We'd say, well, safety third, you know, God's teaching you, or, you know, unity with the other team. And then, you know, safety's important. But That's good. Safety's probably not God's massive concern. Our spiritual growth is, and whatever he has to allow for that to happen is going to happen. And then the, your second point was cling to your word. That's yeah. a big, big deal. Now, they... I. What I love about that passage is you have the Word of God in the flesh, yeah. quoting the Word of yeah. God in scripted. Yeah. He, could, he could rely on his own authority, but he didn't. He relied on the very words of God, the same ones that you and I have, yeah. over and over and over. Yeah, which should, sh- which should show us, you know, if Jesus trusted it, relied on it, loved it, quoted it, had it memorized, that kind of stuff, then how much more, in a sense, should, should we do the same yeah. thing? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, so, Jason, as we start to wrap it up a little bit, just take us through some thoughts on how I prepare myself for the wilderness. Because whether I'm in the wilderness now, 
have, you know, as the old saying, I'm either coming out of the wilderness, yeah. I'm in the wilderness, or I'll be going into the wilderness. There's a lot. Of, there's some truism to that. Yeah. Uh, what what are give me give us some basics before we we uh, say goodbye today. I, I think just as I was walking through this the last couple of weeks in my own life, I was trying to figure out um, how can I how can I prepare for the wilderness. You know, they they say when when it's wintertime, you get in your car, you want to have a blanket, you want to have a flashlight with fresh batteries, you want to have the, you know, whatever it is to cut the seatbelt or whatever, you know, granola bar or something. You got to prepare for what you're about potentially going to face. And we know we're all going to face some kind of wilderness. So preparing for that wilderness, I think, is is part of the battle, and we are in a battle. So, I, you know, just for me, the, the four things that stuck out to me as I was just kind of walking through this passage and others these last few, few weeks are just four simple things. Number one, know your Savior, okay? He is our great high priest that's been tempted. He is able to sympathize with us, and he did get through temptation sinless. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can get through temptation without falling also. So, number one, know your Savior, be more like him, right? Know yourself. What are the temptations that are common to me? How do I um, how do I see myself tempted most often? And that means I got to know myself. You know, somebody once said that that men maybe especially walk into temptation um, in these areas. You know, we're either bored or lonely or angry or stressed or tired. That blast is the acronym yeah. there: bored, lonely, angry, stressed, tired. So I got to know: am I am I bored right now because I'm probably going to be tempted? Am I really stressed right now? My level of temptation may be higher than at other times. So just know what I'm tempted in and, and how I'm most tempted. Mm. So know my Savior, know myself, know my enemy, right? He's the tempter. He is going to dece- try to deceive me. He is going to tell me lies, probably in my own voice, which which I would believe, you know, because it's me talking to me. Yeah. Um, be prepared for that battle. The enemy hates Christians because he hates Christ and we're with him. And then lastly, and there's more too, but yeah. uh, know your armor, you know, the armor of God. What what are you putting on every single day to, pr- to protect yourself, um, to allow God to protect you from the fiery darts, from the tempter, from the world, from yourself? Um, do that every day. Every day. So once again, know your Savior, know yourself, know your enemy, yeah. and know your armor. Know your armor. Uh, in that passage you allude to in Ephesians 6, the armor of God, it, he, Paul concludes by, uh, by urging us to prayer. That yeah. sort of pulls it all together. Yeah, that's right. And it made me think of what Jesus said, and I would say most of our listening audience right now, you know the Lord's Prayer. But here's what it says. You know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Mm-hmm as it is in heaven, mm-hmm. give us this day our daily bread mm-hmm. and forgive us our trespasses mm-hmm. as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then these two things, yeah. and lead us not into temptation, yeah. but deliver us from the evil one. Now, yeah. that's not the same prayer, is it? No. Uh, I take the first part, what you just said, know yourself, that whole blast thing, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, whether, you know, you refer to men, you know, you're bored, you're lonely, you're angry, what were the other Stressed, one? tired. Stressed or tired. These are, these are sort of avenues to temptation. Yeah. yeah. But not all of our listeners are men. We probably all struggle with that. One, but, but the idea is to know yourself and areas that you have certain proclivities toward. That's right. You may not have the same proclivities that I have. I might not have the same ones that you have, but we need to know ourselves. I think that's what Jesus meant when he said that. Yeah, and that I think 
that's a great point. That's what James says later, you know, resist the devil. We have to, sometimes we say we fell into temptation. That's a little bit of a not the right way to say that. Right. It's not like, whoops, oh, there I am. We, we mostly intentionally walk into temptation. Sometimes we run towards yeah. temptation. Somebody has said that paths lead to places. Yeah, I kind of like that. Out. Yeah, we, we should title this podcast that, actually. <laughs> but James says, resist the devil, draw near to God, right? So it's a very active, yeah. you don't just wake up one morning and you're like, oh, shoot, I'm living in sin. How did this happen? Right. So I think there's, a, there's an active resisting and an active drawing to God. Yeah, so when Jesus told us how to pray, mm. he, he in essence said, know yourself, yep. lead us not into temptation, so basically keep me from my own issues and problems, yeah. Yeah. and deliver me from the evil. And that's where yeah. that, you know, you know, know your enemy yeah. and thus put on the armor of God. Yeah. Well, um, may the Lord help us, our listeners, our church, the people we love, to triumph over temptation as our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ did. Yeah, amen. That's great prayer. Thank you, Jason. Thank you.